brother, and good evening once again, everyone. It's a joy to be here for the full Sunday and be able to share with you some things from the Word of God, and uh, tonight will be not so much in the way of Bible teaching, but uh, we want to give you a report. Uh, It's always important, I think, for uh, the idea of accountability and also for the idea of praying for us. Um, You know, this whole idea of serving the Lord as a missionary is, uh, there's a lot of challenges to it, I I guess, but there's a, it's not like we got a, we got a, a job to do 25 years ago and we've been still working at that job. There's a whole lot of different things that go on and oftentimes your, your ministry changes. You have to sense where the Lord is directing, where he's guiding um, there's lots of details and what we have to absorb in order to determine his will. There's also the idea of having fresh enthusiasm and fresh uh, vision for what the Lord has called you to. And so um, uh, what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this evening, is some of you may have already been, you were at the, the, um, the meeting in Boca Raton a few weeks ago and you have heard uh, a lot of what I'm going to talk about tonight, so you can go to sleep if you prefer. But um, those of you who haven't, uh, I'm going to ask you to turn to your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to read just a couple of verses from this uh, before we get into our, our message. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And um, again, this is words of the Apostle Paul. Words what... Uh, He was in prison at this time as well. He's writing to his friend Timothy, who was in Ephesus. And um, he's, I think, I almost get the feeling he's a little bit down. And he he sort of encourages himself once in a while, and then he, he begins to think of some of the difficulties around him. And he says here in verse 11, Whereunto? I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for which cause I also suffer these things. And he's just looking at the prison that he's in. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast that. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Now verse 15 he says, This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away, be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus, and Hermogenes. So he's, there was a, a lot of believers that were associated with him have turned their back on him. And then there's a glimmer of encouragement in verse 16. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, 
And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Well, that's all we're going to read just now. I'm going to refer to this later on this evening. Uh, but today, or just now, I just want you to have that as our foundation for our, our little talk. Now, we have been serving the Lord um, now for 25 years in, in Africa. Uh, November last year uh, was our 25th anniversary. And uh, we originally went to the country of Botswana, as you can see before us, uh, the geography of the Southern African nation or Southern African continent. And we worked for six months in the capital city in Habaroni. And um, you all know about my history, my illness, and uh, within the first six months and coming home. And then after a year and a half of therapy, we went back to serve the Lord. And we went back to this village up here in Maun. It's the tribal capital of the Batawana tribe. And that's where we started a new work. And uh, I still remember um, the, the, the beginning of that work. We bought a piece of land in the middle of the village. And, uh, and uh, we, we started to dig our trenches. And we had our three little boys with us at the time. Uh, Andrew, he was eight years old. He's not so little now. He's with us tonight. Uh, Jonathan was six and Nicholas was five and and we asked the boys when we left Canada what's the one toy you want to take with you to uh, to Africa and all three of them said we want to bring our Tonka trucks so we managed to bring their Tonka trucks and we brought them up to Maun and and so here we are digging our trenches and as a result there's a big pile of dirt and there's these three little white guys playing with their Tonka trucks on this pile of dirt, building roads and whatever. And then 20 little African guys all around in the, in the circle watching, and they had never, ever seen this sort of toys before. And uh, so Karen looked at me, and she says, this is our first Sunday school right here. And so we started to teach those kids that were in our neighborhood that were coming. And, and uh, you know, you have all sorts of ideas of, of how you're going to serve the Lord and uh, you know, when you go out to the mission field. And oftentimes, your ideas are completely not the ideas that God had in mind. And we didn't realize how much our boys would be part of our evangelism. And the fact that these uh, were such unique little kids in, 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 an, in an area that there weren't many white people around. And uh, just to have our kids grow up amongst the Africans and just you know, uh, hang out with them just like everyday ordinary kids. We had them in our home and they were, they were in their homes and they saw some incredible things. And, um, and just to be have, that was really a great way of reaching out to our neighbors. It was through our children. And, and I think that probably still works today in, in this part of the world. It's one of the most effective ways is having our children who meet other kids and that was the, the inroad. So we started our, our Sunday school there and, uh, over the 18 years that we served the Lord in Maun, we were able to see a little assembly established. And uh, we, um, over the, the last few years in Maun, my legs started to get weaker as a result of this illness that I have. And, um, and the, the prospects are that it aren't, they aren't going to get stronger. So we had to make a little bit of a change. Um, Maun is a very sandy, deep, sandy desert village. There's not sort of an easy place to get around in a wheelchair. Uh, we, we managed, and, but we, we felt the Lord was using these circumstances to have our eyes, perhaps it's time for us to move on to a new area. 
And so uh, five years ago, we had our last Lord's Day with our believers in the assembly in Maun. And you can see that uh, these were the believers that were there. We uh, We left them with about 30 believers in fellowship and a lovely, nice building put up. And we had 200 children in the Sunday school. And um, now I'm in contact a fair bit with these believers. There's one brother in particular who we're very close with is uh, Dan and Stella Ingaluka. They're from Zambia. And uh, they've been serving the Lord there in Maun with us the last number of years. And um, I was speaking with him and uh, I was asking him how things were going in the assembly. And he mentioned some of the difficulties they were facing. Um, You know, it's a remote village and they see their young people saved and they come into the assembly. But then they go to the the main city for university and then we lose track of them and they end up going to other towns. And so there's that sort of an issue that goes on. But he says, we do have some good things to be thankful for. And he says, you know... Uh, we have 600 kids in the Sunday school now. And uh, we, I, I said, well, how did that happen? He says, well, every time we have gospel meetings, there's always a, another pile of kids that want to start coming to, to, the, to the chapel. So we would have gospel meetings in a tent in various places in the village. And as a result of that, there's always a bunch of kids that think, no, can we come to your church? And so we organized to have these children start to come now, we were picking up a number of these kids, and eventually the police stopped us. Some of you have seen a picture of us picking up tr- kids in the back of our truck, and we had like 60 kids in an open truck, and uh, we would do three trips sometimes. And anyways, the police stopped us from doing that. We figured that would happen eventually. So now 400 kids walk to the chapel. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a half-hour walk for some of them. And then, um, and then there's another 200 kids that meet at another location where uh, the assembly is renting a piece of land and, and the kids are meeting there. And um, so just incidentally, one of the projects that we have coming up is that when we go back to Botswana or back to South Africa, we have been given a little bit of money to buy a, a piece of land for this satellite Sunday school. So uh, we're going to be making a trip up there, buy that piece of land and erect a, a shade structure on that satellite Sunday school spot so the children can meet in a, in, a, in a place where they're not, the sun isn't beating down on them. So um, that's something we're looking at down the road. So here we are, uh, again, the geography, and we're making our trip now. We're making our trip down to, to South Africa, where we've been the last five years. And uh, this would be the, the route that we would take, and the distance is, is about 1,400 miles. So you can just sort of see um, uh, what we're looking at. The roads are, are pretty good. Um, there's always wildlife and donkeys and cattle, at least in the South African side and in Botswana side. But then as you get up into Botswana, you've got all sorts of other game as well, uh, the bigger game. And um, uh, we almost hit an elephant once. Can you believe that? Uh, it was, it was uh, Andrew, and, Andrew was in one vehicle. I think you were, you were driving the ladies behind us one time. Uh, we had a, a trip. We had a number of people from Canada had come out to visit us, and we were we were on this uh, on this trip up north. And, um, and this is on the highway. This is not in a park or anything. We're on the this is the regular highway. And we were. I had the men with me in my vehicle, and I was traveling. And Andrew had the ladies behind, and and we're going through this area. Where there's a lot of elephant, and uh, and we passed some elephant that had gone off to the right. They come from the left and gone over to the right and uh, and uh, 
so we carried on, and right behind us, Karen and Andrew, there was another elephant that was straggling behind the other herd, and he took he started to run across the the road, and um, uh, Karen all she thought that was it. It was it was lights out because they 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 squealed, they jammed on the brakes, and I've never seen an elephant do a, a 180 so quick as as that. It stopped right on on the spot, did a turned on a dime, and was back in the bush. But Karen's last vision was the backside of this elephant, uh, and. Uh, and, and us guys, we were carrying on. We had no idea what the problem was, you know. And all of a sudden, the lights are flashing, you know. Pull over, and they, these ladies are in tears, and it was a terrible situation. Anyway, that's the sort of things that goes on. Anyways, I'm going on to stories here. Uh, we've been working and uh, serving the Lord in, this, uh, in the city of Cape Town with, this belie- with the believers here on Hebron Assembly of Believers. Now, it's a completely different situation in Cape Town. As it is in, as it was in in Maun. Maun was a very um, rural, um, really third world in many ways um, uh, area. Where now in, in Cape Town, you're in an area where it's a, a big modern city, shopping malls and all the amenities that you would have, and also the assembly work there has been there for. I, I'm not sure how long, but I, I'm sure the gospel has been in that area for 100 years. And there's assemblies that are 50, 60 years old, and maybe older. So just to give you an idea, this is the Cape Peninsula. And where I put a star there, that is where I know of an assembly in those areas. So, so there's at least 30 assemblies within Cape Town proper. And then there's another 30 assemblies, which would be another two-hour uh, drive away. So... Just to give you an idea of some of the uh, statistics here, Cape Town population is 4 million people. Uh, if you count the suburbs, you've got 8 million people in, in that area, so it's a lot of people. Uh, South Africa has 55 million. Uh, languages is Afrikaans, English, and Kosa. And uh, nationally, uh, we have um, unemployment of almost 26%. Um, HIV around 19%. Living on less than $2.50 a day is um, 47% of the population. Imagine that, 55 million people in the country, $2.50 a day. Uh, Victoria, um, how, how big an allowance do you get? It's Elizabeth. Oh, sorry, is it, what? Annabelle. Annabelle, I'm sorry. I thought it was Elizabeth or Annabelle, what what allowance do you get? <laughs> she doesn't get one. You got to hit him up for a, a raise. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. All right. Two dollars and fifty cents a, a, a day. Can you imagine living on that? Um, some things you may not understand or know about in South Africa. If you Google ten of the most dangerous cities in the world, you would find that Cape Town is 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 number nine. Um, we have almost seven murders a day in, in, uh, in Cape Town. Uh, part of the problem is uh, what we would know as these undesignated settlements that um, are populated by people who have come from other regions of South Africa, but also um, uh, other northern African countries have come down looking for better employment. I see Aaron is already checking out this uh, 
Oh, he's not. Okay, good. Um, this is what happened is these people are coming down looking for employment. And, and uh, of course, there isn't much. And, and they end up building these little tin shacks. And this is where so many people are, are living in. It's just incredible. And, and as a result of this, this is where all the, the crime takes place. It's, it's a really desperate situation. And uh, it's very sad. But that, that's the situation that is there. Now, the assembly at Hebron, where we've been uh, working with for the last five years, uh, is a really, really great assembly. Um, we have uh, uh, just appreciated their fellowship. They've been very good to us. And um, it was an assembly that had gone through uh, about 10 years prior to us arriving, had gone through a very unpleasant division, a split. And a lot of the believers were going through some... Uh, I could, we could sense that they were still licking their wounds and wondering what we've done wrong. And, and uh, so when we came there, Karen and I had, we, we came with a fresh vision. We, didn't, we, not, we were not linked with some of the previous issues or the other baggage that had gone on. And so we came there with our own ideas that we, as we looked at the assembly, we could see some things that we would love to implement. And so with the um, we worked along with the leadership of the assembly and made suggestions to them. And just to give you an idea, these were some of the things that we worked with. So one of the things that we suggested is uh, the men need to get together on a regular basis and pray together. And so once on a Saturday, once every Saturday, once a month on a Saturday, the, the men, we meet together and we, we have a, a prayer time in the chapel. And then we go out to one of the restaurants and we have a breakfast together. And that's been well received. It's something that's carrying on now. And uh, very, very, very pleased to see that grow on. It was an opportunity for the believers to, to meet in an unofficial way, the, the men anyways, and, and just to be able to discuss some of our difficulties and maybe some of the things that we need to make changes in. And, uh, and so it was helpful. Uh, we have a number of young couples in our assembly. And as a result, we were asked that, we might consider doing a marriage retreat. Now, Karen and I had never done this before, and we were really, really afraid to do this. So we agreed, and we worked with one of the, other, one of the elders and his wife, and another couple, Philip and Sarah Bartholomew. I'll introduce you to them in just a moment. And, um, but we wanted to keep it a private thing. We didn't open it up to other assemblies in case it was a disaster. At least it was a local disaster. And so we, we went and we hired a hotel for, a, for the weekend. And we had 14 couples from our assembly. And we went through some very um, uh, important subjects. And some things that came out were just uh, phenomenal. We didn't realize a lot of the difficulties that were going on behind the scenes. And a lot of this stuff rose to the surface and we were able to, to work with it. But it was a, a really encouraging time. They've asked us to do it again, and they really do want to open it up to other assemblies. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you have shut-ins here, and uh, just like you, we also have uh, shut-ins and pensioners. And um, so we, we started this thing for, for 55 plus. Karen and I turned 55 um, a couple of years ago. And uh, we thought, well, maybe why don't we start this little outing thing? So every six or so, six weeks or so, we, we do an outing for those that are pensioners or 55 above 
or shut-ins, and we make sure that we can get people, bring them out. A lot of them are disabled folk as well. And uh, Cape Town is a beautiful city. There's so many tourist things to do. And so we do something with them, and, and then Karen will either make a picnic or then we go out to a restaurant, and it's a, a, another great opportunity of fellowship. Uh, oddly enough, the assembly didn't seem to have a bulletin, so uh, I enjoy working with the word processor, and I, I, I put a monthly bulletin together, and uh, it shows the speakers for the month, etc., etc., and other events that are taking place, and I encourage one of our younger brethren as well who enjoys word processing, and he is now taking that on. We uh, have started a website for the assembly, and um, it's uh, presently uh, functioning, it's... Uh, you can see the, the title there, the address there. And there was a few updated things that needed to be done at the building. Um, uh, a, there were no uh, disabled facilities at all, uh, ramps or anything like that. And, and uh, we have a, a man in, the wheel, in a wheelchair in our assembly, not, to, not me, but another guy, who's also blind. And um, his wife has to take him into the ladies' um, uh, room um, for him to do his business, and it's embarrassing for him and also for the ladies that are in there. So we, uh, we put a project together, brought it to the, the elders, and, and asked them what did they think. And, uh, and so they were very happy about it. They, no, nobody had ever done it before, and so we went along with that. And so now we have these new facilities, and we've modernized the, the foyer of, of the building. So that's the past, and now we're looking at the future. And uh, and, and this is really where I wanted to talk to you more about this evening, uh, more than the past, is, is what we're going to be doing in the future. And, and we've been sensing over the last little while that, that really the, the work that we had done in Hebron has coming, is coming to a close. Really isn't much more that we could add to that assembly um, uh, other than maybe you know, the way of leadership, which I'm not prepared to, to, to make that commitment uh, we don't feel that's where the Lord is leading us. And so we, we've been looking to the Lord for guidance. And, uh, and so as we have been thinking of our return now, we are going back at the end of May. Uh, we'll be flying back to Cape Town. There's a couple of projects that we have on our mind. And the first one, again, is to purchase that, that plot of, for the Maon Sunday School. And um, we also would like to lead a team from uh, our assembly in Cape Town and bring them up to Maun and just show them what the missionary work was done, how it was done up there. The assembly in Cape Town is now on a regular basis having fellowship with uh, Dan and Stella in Galuka. These are the missionaries that are mentioned earlier that had come from Zambia and, uh, and, and really appreciate that fellowship that's coming from Hebron. So there's a link now established between Maun and Hebron, and we're trying to foster and encourage that. And so... Um, that leads us now to, to what I, I want to introduce to you this evening is Operation Onesiphorus. This is planned to take place in January of 2019. And um, this basically, the seeds of this was planted last furlough when we were home in Canada. And we had lunch with uh, Phil and Marilyn Barnes, who are the directors of MSC Canada. And um, Karen and I had lunch with them and... Uh, we were talking about our future ministry and what we would be involved in, and, and Phil was saying this to us. He says, you know, um, there are a number of missionaries that are going through serious challenges in their own individual lives where they're serving the Lord. 
Some are going through health issues. Uh, others are having um, issues working with colleagues, uh, missionaries. Uh, oftentimes, uh, if you're working with other missionaries, they, they, there's sometimes uh, friction that goes on. And so, and as he went through the list of various difficulties that missionaries uh, encounter, loneliness, etc., he says, you know, you guys, you've been out for 25 years, you've gone through a number of issues, and you're still there. He says, you guys would be good go-to people to call on in order to come alongside in some of these difficult areas and, and try and encourage those missionaries that are there. And I thought about that, and I thought that was all pretty good. And I thought, well, how, how are we going to do that? And uh, I just kept that in the back burner. And then uh, a couple of, uh, some time ago, I was reading in Second Timothy chapter 1, and I came across this passage that we read this evening, and how Paul was in prison, and how he was lonely, and it seemed he had been shunned by some of the other believers. But there was a man in Ephesus by the name of Onesiphorus, and he knew of Paul and his in, in his desperation. And, and it says here that he sought him out diligently. In other words, Paul had, uh, in other words, Onesiphorus had to get on a boat and make his way to Rome and look out for Paul and find out where he was. And it's the word that's used there is that he refreshed him. He encouraged him. Now, how many of you could do with refreshment and encouragement? I think all of us could benefit from that. Paul was a man who needed that. And so this went along with what Brother uh, Phil Barnes had mentioned to me. Now, I, I'm going to introduce to you a couple by the name of Philip and Sarah Bartholomew. I mentioned, to them, uh, mentioned them earlier. They are a couple that we have been working with in some of our projects. They are part of the fellowship at Hebron, and that's their daughter, Tallulah, as well. Now, Philip is a, uh, he's, um, uh, an independently... Um, uh, how would I say, independently wealthy fella. He, he has sufficient means to, to carry on. And um, he, uh, he has a vision. And he says, Sid, I, I want you to, to consider this. He says, my wife and I are going to be sailing around the world. And we're going to be, um, we're going, to be off, off going on this 50-foot catamaran, and we're going to be sailing around the world. He says, I'll handle the sailing. And I wonder if you and your wife would consider joining us and, and do the preaching and ministering and teaching. And, and I'm thinking, now, this, how is this going to come about? And these things started to fold, come together. And as you can see, these different circumstances that have participated in the way we feel the Lord is guiding us. Now, before I get any further, I'm just going to play a little uh, video for you here, just so you can see what we are talking about.
So I'm introducing you to Operation Onesiphorus. And what the idea is this, is that in January 2019, we are planning to exit Cape Town waters, and we're going to be making our way over to Rio de Janeiro to start. And um, the idea of Operation Onesiphorus, the, the purpose of that is to refresh and encourage believers. We're going to be working hand-in-hand with CMML, and Missionary Service Committee Canada. And as we will be going through our itinerary, we will be given contacts of individual missionaries and local small assemblies along our route. And as a result of that, we're going to be hunting them down, hunting these various assemblies down, and find out what we can do to try and encourage and minister and be a blessing to them. We also want to facilitate, be able to be the go-between go people when it comes to some of the practical needs that we will see on the field. There's a number of, of uh, people on this side of the world who are retired carpenters, plumbers, electricians, that sort of thing, and also do have resources available to them, financial resources that they would like to use for the Lord. Now, as we go and travel through a lot of these remote uh, uh, villages and areas, we will be able to come in contact with places where the Lord could use these, this help. And so we will be putting in contact those that have the resources and those that have the need on the field. And it will provide an opportunity for short-term uh, works to, to uh, people will be able to come over. They'll stay with us on the boat. We can sleep 10 people on the boat. And then we will minister in these various locations where we're at. Uh, just to give you an idea, just going up the eastern coast of South America, for example, um, all along that, that coast, there's villages and assembly works all along that way. You can go, well, you, you can listen to Michael Tuttle when he talks to us in, in, in March next month uh, of what he does on, on the boat, on his boat. But you can go up the Amazon River, a thousand miles up the Amazon River on a boat like ours without any, any problems. And all along the way, there are villages and communities all along the way where the gospel is, is, uh, has a little foothold and also where there are little struggling churches and assemblies along the way. So we would seek to encourage along that, in that way. Um, we would like to see also short-term opportunities. Now, we know we live in a world today where for people to take uh, months off out of their schedule to be able to serve the Lord is, is really hard to ask from some people. But some people would like to do two or three weeks at a time. And so we would like to have an opportunity available for people to be able to join us on these short opportunities and, and, and do gospel work, encouragement along the way. And so as we do that, there'll be also different practical needs as well. Um, there's a... a, a um, a number of medical doctors and uh, uh, people who have to do with um, glasses and opticians and things like that, that as you get into some of these villages, just I'm not sure if you've ever seen some of these uh, uh, glasses that people are, that they're using nowadays. There's a, there's a pair of glasses that you can actually, a um, very simple way of testing people's eyes with this pair of glasses. You get a chart in front of them. It's all set up. It's all, the whole thing is part of a package. And, uh, and you can actually adjust each lens automatic with, with a little thing and, and get the best vision. And, and 
and then you just lock it in there, and, and those glasses are available to those people. So this is all part of a package that, that could be done. That I'm just giving you different ideas of, of, what, of what can happen. Um, we also really feel the importance of raising awareness in assemblies today of the needs that are on the ground. Um, we, we really, and, and the way things are working in the, the days that we live in, you're de- you're, we're in the days of, of, of Facebook and Instagram and, and uh, Snapchat and all this instant media. We would like to be able to have this on a regular basis posted on uh, like a Facebook page where there'll be short little video clips, there'll be short little uh, stories, there'll be pictures and things like that of where we are going and the idea is that this communication will be on a current basis to our believers back on this side of the world. And I, I think this is a, a, something that would uh, make the idea of, of missionary work more current in people's lives over here. If they can actually see what's going on on a regular basis and, and, and follow where we're going, it, we hope it will raise uh, awareness in the in the minds of young people in particular there's such a great need in the world and we in North America live in such a, a bubble that is isolated and insulated from what really is going on in most of the world and if we could be sort of like that little window that breaks through this bubble that we have over here and just to show you and let you see the needs that are on that side of the world that perhaps what it will do it will it will stir an interest amongst our young people today and 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 see that this is something valid that we need to be involved in and this is our desire and our prayer so i'm giving you a few list uh, just a short list now our time is gone i know there's going to be some questions so i'll just quickly go into that karen's visa has been granted i know you've been praying for that uh, she just recently had that. We ask you to pray about the Botswana Sunday School and uh, Operation Onesiphorus and the idea of future workers. Now, I know uh, some people are asking, or at least you should be asking, um, some of the most obvious questions about me being on a boat. Is um, Have you forgotten you're in a wheelchair, Sid? Uh, that sort of thing. Um, we were, uh, that was one of the first things that, that we asked ourselves. Are, will I be able to function on a, on, a, on, a, on a vessel like that? So Phil and uh, Philip and Sarah, they organized for us to have a visit with a man in Cape Town who is a, a famous sailor at the Cape Town Yacht Club. And this guy's in a wheelchair. He sailed around the world several times. And so uh, we had an afternoon with him. And I think Andrew was with us at the time as well, and we, we visited with this gentleman, and um, he made some inquiries as to, uh, uh, on top of that, he's a, he was a quadriplegic. He wasn't just a para, he was a quadriplegic. And uh, so he made some inquiries as to my physical ability and, and the fact that I can stand up and use crutches and things like that. He says, what's your problem? He says, you, this, is no, this is a no-brainer. You can handle this. He says, there will have to be some modifications made to the boat so that you can, you have plenty of grab bars here and there so that you can function. But um, so these are some of the things that, that I want to just uh, let you know that we have thought them through already. Another thing that people have asked us is, 
is what about if you need medical care and you're out on the boat and what are you going to do then? And those are good questions. Um, it's amazing how the Lord has brought a number of things across our path that have sort of answered those questions. Uh, one of the things was we were, when we were up in Ontario, we were, uh, we needed a place to stay and a man offered his, his a, a place in his home. He has a granny flat in his home. He wrote to us and asked us if we'd be interested in staying there and we wrote back and said yes we would. So um, our first uh, couple of days we got there and we find out this guy was a, he's a doctor. He's a retired doctor and uh, he has gone to Zambia a number of times. Uh, he goes to Chitokaloki and he, he volunteers in the, the hospital there, the mission hospital. So when I shared, to him, shared with him our exercise about this, he listened very carefully. And then about two weeks later, he said, Sid, you know, I've been thinking about Operation Honest at first. He says, I, I would like to help out. He says, I, you're going to need, first of all, you're going to need a special first aid kit that has all of your, your, your different degrees of, of antibiotics and all the other paraphernalia we'll need in, the, in this first aid kit. He will put that together for us. But he says, you're also going to need advice. And he says, I will be, I want to be your doctor. He says, so when you're out there, we can, there's so much can be done over Skype nowadays. He says, a lot of medicine is actually practiced over Skype. And when there's a difficulty, oftentimes specialists are, are not able to be there, but they are able to have a Skype conversation. They can actually see pictures and, and see what's going on. He says, we can work through that. And he says, we would even be prepared to do a house call. So he, he, he would actually join us on, on occasion on the boat and do some of these things. So um, these are some of the things that have been falling into place. And uh, so January 2019, this is what we are looking at. Whether this actually does take place, we are still open to the Lord. We are looking to the Lord daily. And, but what we have done is we have made a commitment to Philip and Sarah that we will join them for one year. And as we, uh, as we go through this, we want to see that, be sure that this is achieving the purposes and the, and the plans that we want to see done. And so we would ask you to pray about those things. So, all right, we're five past. I know I've gone over my, my time, but I'm going to open it up for a question or two. If you have a question, uh, I'd like to answer it. And if not, then I'll just close in a word of prayer. Philip and Sarah, they're, they're younger believers. They, they have these resources available to them. And they, they want to serve the Lord, but they're limited somewhat in their experience. And they've looked to us, Karen and I, as, as mentors in many ways. And we've involved them in various other ministries. So when the idea of, of, of them wanting to do this it was sort of a natural thing for them to ask us to join them and to participate and lead the spiritual aspect of the journey. But he, he, he wanted us to not worry about the sailing part, although we will be doing some sailing courses as well, because we'll have to do, be times we'll be on watch. But um, um, 
he does not want this to be some sort of exotic voyage. He wants this to be a spiritual adventure that we can he can that he can use his resources for the Lord. Sam, you're not working. You want to join us, bro? Yeah, I was actually starting to work, but for those who didn't know. Oh. Uh, yeah, however he is a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yes, bro? Would you need special language abilities when you go to different places? Well, uh, if we had the gift of tongues, that would be absolutely great. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously... Um, uh, language is going to be an issue wherever you go. Uh, I've always recommended for any missionary when they're going into the field to, to learn the language if you're there for long term. Um, in our situation, translations, translators will be available to us wherever we go. Uh, and so um, it's, it's, it's not the best, but it works very good. And if you're used to translating, yeah, yeah. Um, Sarah is Portuguese, by the way, uh, so she speaks Portuguese, and a lot of the part of South America there is Portuguese speaking. So, so we'll, Sarah will be my translator for a number of messages, um, um, but we will be using translators on the ground as well. All right. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Would we be going where? We haven't got an itinerary yet, but if if it is got a dock, we probably will be there. Yeah. Well, anyways, we'll... I mean, that sort of information is what we're hungry for. We would like to get that sort of uh, details. And, and um, obviously, these are places that we're, we're, we would like to target. Yeah. All right. Okay, thank you very much. Let's just bow our heads and ask God's blessing. Father, we bow in your presence this evening and thank you once again for just the opportunity to be spend time in your presence. We thank you for the assembly here. We thank you for the opportunity to uh, seek to encourage and refresh the believers this morning. And we think, Father, of this vision tonight, and we pray that you would be pleased to guide us, direct us clearly, and open the doors and close doors. And, Lord, we simply want to be your vessels in your hands and be willing to do whatever you want us to do. So, Lord, we, we look to you for the future, and we thank you, Father, for uh, the way you have blessed each one. We think of the assembly here. We rejoice with uh, Sam, who's found work, and we ask you, Lord, just to continue to bless and guide him. We think of others in the, in the work here in this assembly, and we continue to pray. We think of the elders, and we ask that, Lord, you would guide them and continue to lead them as they seek to go before the flock. And we pray that you would preserve the assembly, protect them, protect the assembly from, from harm and danger and false teaching and division and immorality. Lord, they, the enemies and the problems are, are abounding and, and, and uh, without number outside. 
And Lord, we just pray that you would protect this little group of believers. So we thank you now for this day and ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.